0: Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's talk about Jesus right here on WMAF. We're so glad to be with you today. Every time we begin this time together in the Word of God, we declare that we are glad to be with you, and we mean that sincerely today. It is a privilege, it is an honor to bring the Word of God to the people who have hearts to receive it. Everyone has ears to hear it. So when Jesus said, he that hath an ear, let him hear, it doesn't mean the physical ear. It means something deeper than that. It means an attitude and an atmosphere within the human heart the human soul. And today, if you have a good ground heart as the Bible describes it, this Word of God is like holy seed. And when it falls into a good ground heart, it brings forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Hallelujah. So today, get ready for God's Word to be planted deep within our heart so that it will begin to be integrated into all of our life. We live a wonderful life here if you're following Jesus, and we're going to live an eternally wonderful life when we get to heaven. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, we have a a study today called An Upstream Christian in a Downstream World. Every true child of God today, every born-again mother, daddy, boy, girl, son, daughter, every person who has come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior is going to have to live their life in order to follow Christ. We're simply going to have to go against the grain, against the wind, counterculture. If you want a cause to commit yourself to today, if you want something to be a grandest goal in your life, commit yourself to follow Jesus Christ. It requires a deep, dedicated commitment to follow Jesus. That's why he said if anyone would be my disciple. If anyone would follow me, follow my example, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then walk it out, live it out in our life. Well, I want to encourage you to follow Jesus today. Uh, We should be called followers of Christ. Hallelujah. Therefore, an upstream Christian in a downstream world. I hope this excites you today. I hope a new passion uh, to flesh out and live out an authentic Christian life, a life that is not sinless, but a life that is not dominated, domineered by the devil, a life that is not marked by unconfessed, unconvicted sin, but a life that is marked by a diligence and a dedication and a devotion to Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, I want you to know there's victory for God's people, and I want to read from Psalm 2 once again on the subject, an upstream Christian in a downstream world. Here's what the psalmist said. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, and cast away their cords from us. He that that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision." Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. This, of course, is his only begotten. This is, of course, Jesus Christ. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish From the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Last week we talked about living in a world, in a planet, God's people literally in a planet of rebellion. You know, the Bible speaks of the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We live in this fallen world. And Peter Jones points out three particular areas in which the world has undermined our society and where, unfortunately, churches have been affected. I'm challenging all of us today to think about these areas of their influence upon our lives. First is the destruction of the notion of authority. Its fruit has shown up in rejecting authority in the home, in the classroom, in the church, and in the government. Since the 60s, violent crime has risen by 550%. Criminal arrest of teenagers by 150%. Illegal drug use by 6,000%. Births to unwed mothers by 500%. And a whole generation... Of over 30 million. Over 30 million. Which makes the devastation. Of a a tsunami. That happened not too many years ago. Killed by abortion. In our country alone. The root of this destruction. Is abandonment of God's law. As absolute truth. It is a rejection. Of God's appointed authority. Second. Under that same heading is the rejection of sexual boundaries, and it has left untold damage Uh, virtually in every family to some degree is affected by this. Even a non-evangelical professor admitted, and I quote, the scale of marital breakdowns in the West since 1960 has no historical precedent that I know of. There has been nothing like it for the last 2,000 years, and probably longer. And this was Professor Stone of Princeton University. This is not some uh, passionate preacher trying to prove a point and and exaggerating. This is a, a secular professor at Princeton. Infidelity within the church rivals that of the world. We cannot soak up hours of sexual immorality on television and in movies and on the Internet and not be affected by it. Third is the destruction of traditional piety. The destruction of traditional piety. Napoleon III said, and I quote, One never really destroys a thing until one has replaced it. In other words, the world's agenda has been to replace the piety of holy people by painting them as bigoted, small-minded, and intolerant. In the early days of the church, we used to have an, an older retired pastor from California that visited with us occasionally on Sunday nights. On one occasion, I preached on personal holiness. After the service, he commented, it is rare that I hear anything on holiness nowadays. The reason, of course, is that the messages on holiness make us uncomfortable because it's the one thing that still will not fit into the world's mold. And yet holiness is one of the marks of Christ's disciples. It is the message that the world has consistently rejected through the centuries. Listen to what They said in Psalm 2, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. This gospel stuff is stifling to me. Why can you believe that God would restrain my desires by his law? How dare the Bible claim there's no way but Christ's way for eternity. You can hear Satan sneering at God. In our society, another concerned pastor uh, literally uh, uh, talked about this and, and with with a, a concerned heart. And I don't want to be so negative today. I want to get to the good stuff. But, and, and maybe I'll just leave that for another time. Uh, listen, there's a defiant rejection of God's kingdom. In verse 3 of our text, it said, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Humanity defiantly rejects the thought of God's kingdom and the rule of His Son, the rule of Christ in your life or in anyone's life. Once we repent of our sins, receive Him as our Lord and Savior, we accept Him. His rule in our life. And when we do, the kingdom of God comes within us. For the king is now able to rule within us. The moral teaching found in God's law is construed as bondage instead of freedom to so many. The gospel message with its call to repent of sin and to commit to Christ as your only king cramps the desires and passions of men and women who are in rebellion against God remember the bible called it the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience rebellion and disobedience mark the people under the influence of the god of this world and god through jesus christ has set us free to walk in the newness of life. Listen to Ephesians two. Thank God we're getting to something positive. This this is such a negative thing we're having to deal with. But we must not we must not circumvent the issue that is before us today. Is who are we bowing to? Who are we going to serve? Bob Dylan wrote a song some time ago. You gotta serve somebody when he had a brush with Christianity. <laughs> he said you might be a, a socialite with a long string of pearls. You might own banks, you might even own tanks, but you gotta serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. Everybody is serving somebody. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I'm so glad to be a servant of the Most High God. I'm glad to be a follower of Jesus Christ today. I'm glad to be counted in that number that are persecuted, ostracized, and criticized. I take it as a badge of my my belonging to God. I do not take it as something hurtful to me. It may be meant to hurt me. But you know what Jesus said? He said, when they cast your name out as evil, tell lies on you, persecute you. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. <laughs> I told our congregation, if I come in so happy, it looked like I'm about to float away, about to jump through the roof with happiness. You know I've had a hard week. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because the Bible said, when that occurs for the sake of the name of Jesus and following Jesus as our Savior, and serving the one true and the living God, we are to rejoice and to be exceedingly glad, why? Because it marks us as authentic children of God. All those that live godly shall suffer persecution. Everyone that lives a life that is marked by obedience to God, seeking to serve him in him alone will suffer persecution. But the Bible said that we are are to accept that persecution as a sign that we are authentic, that we are genuine, that we really are God's true children. Praise God. Well, let's get to this good stuff today. Listen to Ephesians 2, verse 2 through 6. It says, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation. This is not our our speech. This is our behavior, our lifestyle. We had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, that means to be made alive spiritually, made alive together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Oh, friend, take courage. God's rule is still over all the universe. And if God's rule is accepted in your life, in essence, Christ's lordship, you will certainly, most certainly, have the Holy Spirit's leadership. Hallelujah. Praise God. And and remember that the God who holds this world and universe in His hand, He holds us in His hand as well. The Bible said that he that sitteth on the heavens, verse 4 of our text, shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision, then He shall speak to them in His wrath and vexed them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, he speaking, to his Son, and Jesus Christ, I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Make no mistake when Jesus comes. He's not coming on a lowly donkey. He's not coming to be spat upon, to be beaten within an inch of his life, to be impaled upon a cross. He's coming to rule. He's coming to reign. God is sovereign. He is omnipotent. God is on the throne. And Satan's time is limited. I want to say that. God is on the throne. And Satan's time is limited. The kingdom of man is quickly coming to a close. And the day of the Lord hasteneth greatly. It is near. Jesus coming, therefore, is very, very soon. Not on a donkey, but on a white horse. As King of kings and Lord of Lords, if we stand for him on this day, he will stand we will stand with him on that day. Hallelujah, When the persecution uh, becomes uh, so uh, so became so intense literally in the early church, the disciples took courage by quoting this very psalm, according to historians. Listen to acts four verse 24 through 30, and you'll hear this. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea, that all that in them is. This is when they were told to not preach or teach in the name of Jesus, threatened with death, said they would have killed them, but they feared the people, because they could not deny that a notable miracle had been wrought <laughs> upon the lame man that went into the temple running, leaping, praising God after, after uh, they, they, the disciples uh, touched him and lifted him up. Peter lifted him up and his feet and ankle bones received strength in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to what their prayer was when they were threatened. Verse 25 uh, of the in the book of Acts. Listen to it carefully. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? Hear it? Psalm that we're reading from. And the people imagine vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Quoting out of Acts 4, Psalm 2. Listen to the rest of it, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You see, God, when it looked like Jesus was at the mercy of mortal man, when it looked like that that all was lost, it said that his hand was still in control. His counsel that he had determined was being done. Verse 29 says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the face of Satan's wrath and the threats of the powerful men, they quoted Psalm 2. In prayer, they declared that God is sovereign, that Jesus is Lord. The real power was with them. They boldly proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Look what happened next in verse 31. And when they had prayed that prayer, that prayer, not just prayed, but prayed, incorporating the Word of God and the truth of God about the sovereignty of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the Word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul, Neither said any of them that had ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord of Jesus. Hallelujah. And great grace was upon them all. You know, sometimes when we're weak, instead of confessing how weak we are, we need to declare how great God is <laughs> and how much, how, how sufficient His grace is. Oh, there are things that just to think of it, just to think of it, overwhelms me. There are conditions and circumstances that the mere thought of it would make me go weak. Uh, I would just rather run away, go away, go live an anonymous life somewhere than continue to take the persecutions and the repercussions of declaring Jesus to be Lord like he truly is and Christ to be the only way to God and God Jehovah being the only true God. Oh friend of mine, that will not make you win a popularity contest. It will put you into a category uh, that you may not like to be. So if you want the praise of men more than the praise of God, oh friend of mine, that's mentioned in scripture. It said many of those religionists of that day, part of the Sanhedrin, the highest order of the priest and priesthood, many of them, when they knew him, when they clearly understood, he is truly the son of God. He is truly the Messiah. They knew him, but they would not confess him for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know, when, when Christ called the Apostle Paul to ministry. The Bible said he delivered him from men. He delivered him from men. And you know, I I thought about that. Paul was a member of that religious ruling body called the Sanhedrin. And he had a high-ranking authority in that religious organization and hierarchy that didn't even recognize Jesus when he came to them. They were so blinded by their own religion that they didn't have any true relationship with God or they would have knew Christ when he came. The Apostle Paul said, if any man have a reason, he's talking about his religious credentials to boast. He said, i more. I'm a Jew of the Jews. I was circumcised the eighth day according to the law. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And concerning the law, he said, I am blameless. But he went on further in his epistles to say the things that I once counted gain to me. I count them as but dung that I might know Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. He laid all of that aside. And he took the the repercussions of following Jesus in stride and counted it as a badge of honor. <laughs> Glory to God. You know Jesus said, Marvel not if the world hate you. It hated me before it hated you, dear friend. Amen. He said, don't be astounded or unastonished at the way they're going to treat you for following me. But he went on to say, if the world, if you were of the world, you see how this marks us as his authentic followers? If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but ye are not of the world. I hear some of you saying. Dun, 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 dun. Now you're in the twilight zone. Not of this world. Yes. The Bible says. Not only are we not of this world. We are pilgrims and strangers here we are aliens here we our our citizenship is in heaven it's in another place it's on another planet hallelujah praise god and thank god for it thank god for it that's what jesus prayed in john 17 he said father i don't pray that you take them out of the world You know why? Because we're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. We're God's luminaries in a sin-darkened world. We declare through our, our words, our testimony, and the testimony of our life that there is a true and living God and there is a Savior and a sovereign King and His name is Jesus Christ whom He hath sent Praise God. Oh, friend of mine, it says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So, Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Hallelujah. I believe God is raising up men and women who will proclaim his word with boldness. A generation of true believers who will unflinchingly follow jesus christ and i might add unapologetically the true church is marked by obedience hallelujah we bow our hearts we sometimes struggle with our weak flesh we may have to drag it along into obedience but in our heart of hearts jesus is our sovereign and jesus is our savior Make no mistake about it. The devil is the rebel angel of heaven, and he is the spirit that is influencing all the children of disobedience. But we are not of the world. We are of God. Hallelujah. And God has called us to follow him by following his son and our savior, Jesus Christ today. Today, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, but you know you need a savior, you know that you're not ready to stand before God. If Christ came today, or if you drew your last breath today, you're not ready to answer to God. And you know the spirit of this world has entered your heart through disobedience, and caused you to disobey. Friend of mine, I challenge you today. I call you today in His behalf. Repent of your sin. Just as you are, with all your hang-ups and habits and the past, come to Christ. Come to Jesus. And make Him your Lord, your Sovereign, your King, and your Savior. And join that great body of believers (laughs) whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, recorded as citizens of heaven while we're living right here upon the earth and become an upstream Christian in a downstream world. And today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... Isn't it time to begin to behave what we truly believe? Follow Jesus and never look back. We'll come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.